back to the Sanctity of Space podcast. I'm Maria. And I'm Alejandro. And we're re-recording this episode. <laughs> oh my because gosh. last night we recorded this episode for this week and it got corrupted. Yeah. It's a whole process. I won't go into it, but yeah, it, during encoding, it just it pooped on itself. Yeah. And Apple has so graciously given us absolutely zero tools to to uh, go through it, so that's a thing. Yeah, so basically take two. <laughs> to the viewers, it's take one, but for us, it's, right, we've done right. this a, a bit. Um, but in this episode, we kind of wanted to talk about study tips because yesterday was our first day of school. Yeah. So I really wanted to provide the audience with really good study tips that worked for me and, that, and some of them that have worked for you. Yeah. And I think this will really help people moving forward. Yeah, like for, you know, maybe some people do all the things that we've said so far, but um, honestly, even I don't fully get to do all these things, so it's good to also remind myself. And, you know, for the pros and for the people that haven't done this, it's basically useful for everybody. Yeah. Also, you can take from our tips and make it your own. Right. You know, what works for me might not work for you, and what works for the hunter might not work for you either. So you kind of take a little bit from what we both say and kind of make your own. Right. And, like, how we think about it, too. You know, yeah, because this isn't just do this tip. It's more of like see the thinking that we have behind this tip, and you know you can go forward. Um, yeah, with that. exactly. So for me, my first tip is to read a textbook before going to class, because for me, going to class is the second time that I've seen that material. Sometimes even the third time. So I am by doing that by reading the textbook and going over the material, watching maybe videos over it before. It really helps me reiterate what I'm learning. Right. For me, um, I really like, I mean, honestly, I don't love reading before, but what I've realized is not going, like, when you go to class, it's a lot better for your learning to not have that material be the first time you hear about it, you know? Yeah. Um, so whether it's a textbook, whether it's videos, you know, whatever you need to start having and asking good questions about the material you're learning before you go to class like that that's the key you know because yeah um if if i get confused in class and i start misunderstanding and I, i'm just not picking at it then it's really hard for me to stay engaged and it's really hard for me to stay looking at the screen or listening to the professor you know and so rather than trying to understand and, and you know falling behind in my own brain and then disconnecting uh, having questions and you know having that level of engagement really helps me yeah, and like you said, asking those questions before you go to class. Mm-hmm. So when you do go to class, you have questions that you can ask. Right, and that's how I personally learn better, by answering my own questions, you know. Yeah, me too. So tip number two is to make handwritten flashcards over key topics right after the lecture. So this has really helped me a lot, especially with terms of vocabulary, anything that is memorization-based. Yeah. Um, Handwriting them, I think handwriting things has really helped me remember things better. And then um, flashcards, it's just a quick way to go through them. You right. know, just, you know, I'm sitting in line somewhere or sitting, I'm standing in line somewhere <laughs> and I go through my flashcards, you know? Yeah. I'm like on the toilet going through my flashcards. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh like gosh. it's just so it's easy. It's a lot more accessible. It's a lot more accessible. So easy to just like pull them out and start going through them. Right. Also, um, I guess this is a later tip, but I want to talk about it now. It's writing down key topics mm-hmm. and in your own words. 
-hmm. you know? So when you're writing them down, you want to do key topics in your own words. The flashcards, right? Yeah, the flashcards in your own words and try to relate it to something in real life. You know, like when you're writing it down, for you to remember it better, try to relate it to something you already know. Right. So then when it's on the exam and you see that keyword or that key topic, you're like, I already automatically already know what that's connected to. Right. Like, because memorization only goes so far and it's really hard to actually learn and remember something um, when you're just trying to remember like a definition. Right. And so by thinking of a key topic or key concept that you're going to tie your thought into um, you're actually adding it to the rest of your knowledge, not just trying to smash it in, you know? Exactly. Um, also, I was going to say real quick for the flashcards, I don't personally love taking flashcards, but um, I think, like, the overall thing is making sure that you're, you know, maybe not all your notes, but making sure that you're at least making some of your notes accessible. Or, you know, it kind of depends from class to class. Like, yeah. for example, not all not all classes are going to require flashcards because it just doesn't match with the type of content you're learning yeah like if it's math i mean if it's math equations definitely those are different right but if it's like you're doing math problems then you have to actually work those out and you don't get better until you are working different types of problems out right. and with those i would suggest doing different problems mm -hmm. how it would show up as the exam right you know practice that practice what would show up as the as on the exam right but I will say um, another thing that she said was really important before we move on was the handwritten part because um, I know you you kind of said this a little bit um, last recording but yeah it was you used to use Quizlet right yeah I used to use Quizlet during class I would be taking the flashcards on Quizlet mm -hmm. in class and but well especially from my perspective I realized that a lot of it wasn't sticking it was just kind of like oh I have a short form way I wrote it down and but then. In, in the lecture, you're actually so focused on moving to the next topic. Yeah. Um, and especially when you're doing it digitally, it just doesn't stick. Now, I love digital notes, but I will say for flashcards, I think it's really important, um, the handwritten part, especially for things like math. Yeah, exactly. So my next tip is actually about taking notes in class. And for this, I guess when taking handwritten notes, I would just say it's up to the person because right. for some people I know they take notes in class and they don't pay attention to what the person, the professor's actually saying. Right. You know, and so I guess the way that I like to do it, I do still like to take notes, but the way that I've started doing it is using a Cornell note type of style. So on the left side, I do the main topic. On the body paragraph, I do um, basic like what the professor's talking about. And I don't write every single thing down on the slides or everything that right. he's saying. That is way too much. I just, I do main, main stuff that I think is going to be on the exam where I find really intriguing and important. Where I'm like, oh, that's really cool to know. I want to remember that. Right. You know, and then on the right side, I do questions. It's questions that I have. And it also helps me understand it better. And then at the end, you do a summary, like three to four paragraphs. Not three to four paragraphs. Three to four <laughs> sentences, sorry. <laughs> at the end of kind of what you learned and that kind of summarizes that lesson right for you. so when you go back into your notes you can look at that and be like oh this is what i've learned right. or this is what kind of that unit is about yeah for me um honestly i don't love cornell notes but i've realized that i take notes with a similar heart in the sense that i'm looking for the same things i just don't go for the cornell structure yeah right? like for example for me i i focus on main concepts and those are the like my big labels 
And then underneath those big labels, I write, I essentially document how I got to answer that question or how I got to um, better understand that topic. So I also don't just copy what the professor's saying unless that's exactly what helped me remember it, right? Yeah. Um, and so, right, so like basically, like let's say I'm talking about like plants, I don't know, and we're talking about photosynthesis, then I write about, rather than writing the whole process, maybe that won't stick in my head unless I try to memorize it, um, I build a story that helps me understand the photosynthesis. Yeah. Cycle. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, or you have a diagram or pictures, something that will... Right, and so essentially... Um, just making sure that you're taking notes, um, like actual notes, not just copying them. You know, because it's one thing to copy down on a slide. It's another thing to take relevant notes. Um, and I think the, the hard part is taking good notes is kind of difficult. You know, not only do you have to say what we're kind of doing, but you also have to make sure that they're easy to kind of go back to, which is why Cornell notes are so popular. Um, but yeah, um, overall note taking is like a very, it's, Kind of like a hidden skill, um, but yeah. it's, it's very good to try to find a way that works for you. Um, it doesn't have to be my way. It doesn't have to be Cornell notes, but as long as you have a way that focuses on big points and helps mm-hmm. you get back to where, you know, get that understanding that you had when you first, let's say, took the notes, um, that's what matters and something that you can go back to and view. Yeah, and something that makes you critically think about the information. Right. Not just ingest it, but digest it. Yeah. You know? Perfect. Also. That's a wonderful way of saying it. Thank you. Also, um, a next tip that I didn't mention in the last recording, but I want to mention now, is when you're studying for the exam, something that I found really helps me is making a practice exam with fill in the blanks (laughs) of things that I think will be in the exam. Right. You know, I did that for my psychology class, and I ended up getting, like, a 98 on the final. Yeah, or something that crazy like that. Yeah, and it was a cumulative exam. Yeah, and no I find, notes. Yeah, and I find that really helps me, too. So flashcards, the notes, and filling in the blank mm-hmm. when, or writing down a practice exam of what you think is going to be on the exam, and then doing fill in the blanks. Right. Because it, that helps you remember it better. Because if it's multiple choice, it's like, oh, I already know it. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Where rather, when you're doing, like, fill in the blank, you're like... Exactly. Like, fill in the blank actually makes you think and pull something out from what you know, not just select from what you have. Exactly. And it also doesn't confuse you when you're doing multiple choice. Because sometimes <laughs> that's what they do. Right. In multiple choice exams, they make two questions, or not, two answers very similar to each other. Yeah. And if you don't actually know the right answer, it's to trick you. Right. It makes you second guess yourself when you get it wrong. Yeah. You know, especially with people with anxiety like me, I'm like... <laughs> Oh, my God. Like, I know this question. I studied it, but I'm like, that one looks very similar. You know, they do it to confuse you. So if you, you know, fill in the blank will make it really easy to be like, oh, that one. Right. Um, I will say, personally, I don't don't always make my own tests, but I make sure to treat any questions I'm doing as a test. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's kind of like my practice test, like homework and stuff. Like, I know that sounds so cliche, but sometimes we focus so much on getting homework done that we're not necessarily thinking about what we're doing, you know? So I think for me, I get that similar thing from doing homework, but I definitely seek out extra resources if I don't feel like I got what I needed in the homework. Yeah. Okay, next tip is understand how long each assignment will take and set aside time in your schedule to get it done. And this is what we call our mandatory minimum. Oh, yeah. 
Um, so this is basically where you kind of, at the start of the day or start of the week, you go over your assignments and you kind of figure out, okay, how long is this going to take me? Mm-hmm. You know, you look through them and you're like, okay, this is the estimate amount of time. So when you make your planner, you make plans with people, you understand that you only have this amount of time. Right. You know, because you have to go back to homework or you have only this amount of time to do your homework because you have to, you know? Yeah. It really helps you plan out your day. And this is kind of a topic that can move into calendars, which is kind of what we yeah. talked about last um, last yeah. time we recorded this. Something, and so I guess we should reintroduce it. Um, something that's really important that, that connects to this mandatory minimum idea where, um, is basically time management. Um, and so when we're talking about time management, we're not just saying like, oh, watch how much, you know, make sure that you go back to doing homework or, you know, it's, it's nothing simple like that. Well, it could be simple, but... Um, we're, we're talking about a um, tangible way, a system that somebody has to look at their time and make make sure to ration it well, to use it well. Um, and yeah. so um, something that's really important for me that underpins all of what I do study-wise uh, is a calendar, right? And that's kind of what you brought it up. Um, yeah. Calendars, they're not just there to track due dates, right? They really help you look you know, when you use them in a certain way, you actually you, you can actually see how much time you have in the week. And so you don't have to say, oh, where did my time go? Oh, like, you know, I, I don't feel like I have enough time. You know, it's like you have your schedule right there. And by attaching a certain amount of hours that a task would ta- um, take you, like, you know, certain items on your calendar, by putting a, a time count on them, you can actually see how much time you have in that week, for example, for anything that you want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it helps you keep yourself accountable to spending the time you need where you need it, right? So, like, sometimes I love a certain class, and I actually procrastinate one class with another class. I know that's kind of weird, but, you know, what I do is I spend three hours on one class and 30 minutes or maybe nothing on another class, you know? And so I've, I'm telling myself I'm being productive. Maybe I'm even getting ahead in a class, but I'm actually getting behind everywhere elsewhere, you know? Mm-hmm. And if I keep myself accountable to my mandatory minimum, as in, like, I have to do at least a, a certain amount um, of something, maybe a certain amount of time into this homework, or I have to do a certain amount of, you know, let's say, paragraphs for this certain assignment, um, I'm keeping myself from, you know, I'm basically making it so I can actually measure how well I'm doing. And a certain yeah. thing, instead of just like, oh, you know, well, I feel like I'm doing good or not, you know? Yeah. Um, and that really helps you, you know, even though it sounds restricting, it's actually freeing because instead of like making plans and then like realizing last minute that you have two other plans and homework due that night, you yeah. can actually see all these things coming up and, you know, you can actually be more spontaneous when you have this understanding of how much time you have, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think... I think this is essential time management um, yeah. and having a way to track that is essential if you want to be good at studying. You know, but like yeah. for me, honestly, if, if one thing someone's going to take from this podcast, it has to be that time management. Exactly. You know, I'll introduce what I use. I use this app called Power Planner. Um, I use Google Calendar. Right. And but you can also use a physical agenda right, for like, anything that mm-hmm. helps you. Yeah. And honestly, there's different ways to use them. Um, Maria has her own thing. She even puts like, like you know, when you're gonna hang out with friends, you'd like schedule that and stuff. Yeah, I schedule whenever I'm gonna hang out with people throughout the week. If right. it's spontaneous, I mean, I always make sure I have free time. I don't fill up every single second of my calendar. Right, right. You know, 
So when people do want to hang out, I'm like, oh, I have this block that's free. Mm-hmm. But whenever they're like, oh, a week from now we're going to do something, I definitely write that down because I'm going to forget. Right. So I, I do, you know, hang out with friends. I also, I color code based on the urgency or, like, the event. If it's an yeah. event, it's one color. If it's an exam, I put it in yellow because right. it's bright and I need to be able to see that. Yeah. I also put a reminder for a week before the exam right. because I like to give myself at least seven days and I space out my learning and my studying for that exam. So right. I start studying for the exam like a week before. Right. And for me, honestly, I'm definitely not not as uh, strong at that as you. But I'm still, you know, I still use it in a way where I can see how much time I have. Like, I might not always plan, um, you know, my hang- like not, I might not always put my hangouts there. But I definitely keep track of relevant events or maybe even reminders. Like, oh, hey, you have a doctor's appointment here, you know. Yeah. Um, and I know that sounds so simple. Like, why not, why not just use a checklist? But I think the point of what we're trying to make is we're talking way more about to-do lists and stuff like that. We're talking about a system that you can approach any given situation and not have it take over your time, you know? Yeah. The, I think the best part about having a calendar or some, you know, an agenda is that you have the ability to see your time, you know, and you yeah. don't have to feel the time going away or feel that you don't have any time, you can actually see it, you know? Yeah. If you're packing your schedule, like, hey, you have a tangible way of telling yourself that you're doing too much, you know? Mm-hmm. Instead of just having a friend, like, pat you in the back and say you're doing too much, and you're like, uh... Yeah. You know what I mean? um, yeah, because honestly, so many of my successes have just been by having a good time time management process. I have a... A schedule that keeps me accountable and I end up doing things like it's funny I procrastinate my own things sometimes in my own schedule but because I set it up in a way that com- you know that accommodates for procrastination I end up doing my assignments on time yeah you, know? you also you put your assignments before they're due right which is something I think we both do yeah and so it, it's funny because we end up looking like we're responsible when at the end of the day we're just you know we're just working within our system yeah, we accommodate for procrastination. Yeah. Right, and so yeah, it, it's really funny. Like sometimes I guess it looks like we're like really uppity with our work, but we just have like I guess a process that works for us. Yeah, we have a system. So our next tip is the sanctity of space, which is actually the name of our podcast. So this basically means that your space is sanctuous. So for example, if you're gonna work on homework usually do it at a desk and it's the same desk and so now your body gets used to that mm-hmm. space being related to working right so whenever you go to that desk now you're more productive right it's also like when you lay on your bed for too long you start getting sleepy even though you weren't tired before you got on the bed right. because you're you know your bio, your body and your mind kind of associates these places with certain things right. it gets used to things so when you associate spaces with certain tasks it will be reminded of those things. Right. And you can use that to your advantage. Right. And, like, the concept of, like, the sanctuary space, because, you know, in in many ways, uh, more than just, you know, I guess productivity, but I guess uh, the important thing is to remember that, as you said, different spaces have meaning. You know, a room isn't just a room, right? Yeah. Um, And so when we, when we're, basically working and trying to study or be productive or get something done, we have to be aware of not just what we're doing, but the environment in which we do it. And so uh, an example I like to give is that, you know, for my computer, um, my like 
this computer I have, I do it to play video games, look at videos, and watch Netflix. Or I guess watch YouTube and watch Netflix. Mm -hmm. um, and then my bed, I do a little social media, and I sleep, you know? And so it's really interesting because when I try to do homework in any of those two spaces, I'm immediately less productive. Yeah. But the moment I set up with this one desk, just, you know, I've, I don't put my computer on there. I just only put my, you know, like my laptop for uh, school mm -hmm. or work and, you know, a candle. And I just do that, you know, my notebook. Like, yeah. I, I leave that space only for that thing that I want to do in there. And what I'm doing is I'm putting intention and meaning into that space. And the more you use that space um, alongside that intention, the more you train yourself to actually go along with that intention automatically next time you're in that space, right? Which is what you said. Yeah. And so... You it, can make it even like a ritual, like you said, you light a candle. Exactly. You know, make it like a ritual type of thing. Right. And so what I realized is, you know, this goes so deep, like sometimes I'm talking to Maria and I've realized that I've made my bed where I talk to Maria on the phone, right? Yeah. Like the moment I sit at my computer, even my computer's off, my monitor's off, I just automatically start paying less attention, right? Yeah. Especially my computer's on. Like I might not be even doing anything, but I'm staring at my screen and not really focusing on what she's saying. Um, and whenever I sit down at my, where I do homework and I'm talking to Maria, I feel like I need to be productive at the same time that I'm talking to her or something like that, or I remember all the things you have to do. Yeah. And so this goes, uh, you know, as well with studying. Uh, you you want to be careful about what space you're trying to study in. You know, if, if you study in your bed, you know, it's comfortable. It might work for you. You might tell yourself that. It might actually work, but for a lot of people, it actually doesn't. You know, yeah. it's, it leads to that feeling of, like, why is it so hard to get things done? It's like, well, the space you're in right now is, is not designed for that, you know? Yeah. Like, you didn't design it. And so I think we have to be really aware about how we're setting ourselves up, right? Mm -hmm. um, and this kind of almost goes in line with time management. You know, it's a lot of the tips we're giving you, there are things that you can do, like Cornell notes or flashcards, mm -hmm. but it's all underpinned by the foundation you set yourself up for, you know? Like, yeah. if you do flashcards, if you do Cornell notes, but you don't set up your space well and you don't manage your time well, like, you know, you might not get results. So yeah. it's really important it's to... to set yourself up for success. Exactly. And that means being aware and doing things with intention. Yeah, exactly. So the next tip that I have is state-dependent learning. So usually what I like to do, I know a lot of people like to do, is chew the same flavored gum when they're studying and then they chew that gum during their exams. Mm -hmm. And kind of how that works is when you learn something in an environment or in a set of conditions and then you recreate those conditions during exam day, you're able to remember them better. Right. So I know that kind of ties into the sanctity of space a little bit, but this is like something that you can do even outside of that space. Right. This is... Um, or like, you know, people wear their lucky underwear. <laughs> you know uh, what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it might sound like a bunch of like, oh, you know, that's just like psychologically, you know, like a placebo. But um, there is a real aspect in, to it because... And they've done research on this. Right, and... Uh, something interesting that I, I kind of talked about a little bit was um, how sometimes whenever I'm drowsy in class, I 
you know, and I listen to something, I wake up obviously not remembering it, but next time I'm drowsy, all of a sudden I remember it, you know? Yeah. And this, uh, I told a story about how, <laughs> how this was actually how I did my entire, like, physics class in high school because it was my second period that's when i went to sleep you know because yeah. i would i wouldn't go to sleep at night you know i would or i would but like very little and so mm-hmm. you know i would try to you know study and do the homework when i was awake but no never because i would also do the homeworks in the morning when i'm tired and uh, so i see it was really funny at one point i went to take a test and i was really awake i was feeling good and i didn't do as well as i wanted to right i didn't do bad but eh. Then my next test, I did it while I was drowsy, right? And I scored like a 90. It was funny. You know, I was like, no way this works. You know, so it's it's really thinking about um, how what you're doing is going to impact your learning, I guess. Because um, we talked about the space that you're in, but also now it's what you're doing in that space. You know, because like if I tell myself, oh, well, I had the intention of doing homework on this desk, but I start watching Netflix um, and I'm tired, then, you know, like, then the state we're in is, it's going to affect the space. Yeah. You know? It's the space and is what we ourselves feel like. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So gum helps for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I know other people have different things, but you yeah. just kind of have to find whatever works for you. Yeah. For me, honestly, I know it's going to make me sound funny, but I sometimes use food. Like, if I eat before a class, I not only do I feel more energized, stuff like that, but next time, you know, next time I eat before a class, I feel like I can perform better, you know? Yeah. Just, obviously, you don't have to go OCD with it, like, you know, trying to recreate everything, like, making sure that there's, like, three drops on the ground before class. Yeah. You know, but um, I know that's not what OCD is, but I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, obviously, don't obsess over it, but... Be conscious of it, you know? Yeah. And use it to your advantage. And now we'll go to our book recommendations. Oh, and I had one last um, thing I wanted to say. It's sort of a mini rant, but not really. But it's about um, uh, how your learning style isn't visual learning, right? Now, why can I say that so confidently? Um, it's actually a video on YouTube. It's really good. Probably a lot of seen it. people have seen it. But it's important to remember that you don't learn better when the learning material is, a, is you know, directed to what you think appeals to you, right? Like, oh, show me pictures, not words, something like that. Um, actually, learning has, you know, there's been actually no measurable impact of that. What actually does work and what leaves people with benefits is actually um, having learning strategies, right, or memorization strategies and stuff like that, right? Um, for example, they did this test on people where they gave him a list of animals. It was 10 animals. And in one test, they said it, and another test, they showed you pictures. You know, and different, different people said that they were different, um, different things, right? Some people said they're visual. Some people said they're auditory. Some people said they have to touch and feel, or do something while they're doing it, you know? And they got all these people together and they realized that there's actually no measurable no measurable impact of that medium. Um, rather, the biggest impact was the learning strategies and how many mediums they used to memorize it or learn it. 
And what I mean by that is that the people that learned the most were the people that used both visuals and words and did something while they did it. And they also had a learning strategy, like for memorization, for the animal list I told you, this person told, uh, built a list with all the animals in their head, right? They didn't have to use, or they didn't have to have the professor appeal to them in terms of like learning strategy or medium to, to learn it. He just applied a, a memorization strategy to remember the things better. And he was able to recall more, more of the animals than most people, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it was a little rant in the sense that like, stop saying that you're a visual learner, like actually engage in your learning. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess, yeah. I, another thing I was going to say is be intentional and engage with your learning, you know? Yeah. I think something, something that a lot of people forget is that you're not going to, learning is not a passive verb, you know? Yeah. It's not like laying or sitting, you know, it's. Learning, you have to actually be engaged. And that looks different for different people. But the overall purpose is that it's a skill, you know? And you have to get better at it intentionally. Like, just like in golf or soccer or football, you know? Yeah. You might be, you might have a knack for it. You might have a little bit of, let's say, even natural talent. But it's something that you can always learn, you know? Because there will be something that will challenge you, always. There's always going to be something that's, you're not going to be as, uh, you know, it's good with, and you have to learn how to get over those hills. Whether yeah. you're going to school or not, or whether you're going to a job or not, you know, you need these skills. Yeah, and the more intentional you are with your learning, the more that you will learn. Exactly, like all the tips. And the we, more you will remember, sorry. Yeah, like all the tips that we said this entire time, they all need you to be intentional with your learning. None of this will work if, you know, if you just don't engage. Yeah. And you're cheating yourself, and the people around you out of that learning, you know? The people that could have had your spot, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think we have to really think about that and do something about it. Yeah. So our book recommendations for this episode mm-hmm. are going to be Make It Stick, The Science of Successful Learning by Peter C. Brown. And for me... Um, I'm just going to recommend the book I'm reading right now. It's called The Department of Sensitive Crimes. It's about this like department in some Nordic country that investigates crimes that are strange. Nice. Yeah. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Space, Space out. out. <laughs>